Alright, welcome back. Thanks so much for your patience and for listening or watching this segment. During the last few months, lots and lots of things have changed. We are now at 21 states with legal cannabis purchase, my home state of Arizona being one of them. I'm also proud to say that during the 2020 elections, I did my fair share to make this happen. And I volunteered with several organizations to go canvassing in the Maricopa County, trying to educate people on the benefits of legalization. And we made it. Despite the heat we organized, we went and knocked on those doors and made the use of weed recreational for Arizonans. On our last episode, we were talking about the 19th century cannabis parlors, places where people used to go and get high. Back then, the use of opium and hashish was still legal. However, selling it or keeping a place where this was sold was not legal at all. We'll continue talking about Dr. Harry Humble Kane. This person wrote an article in a very famous magazine known as Harper's Magazine. He wrote about hitting a cannabis parlor during the 1880s. During this era, many people fashioned on the idea of consuming syrups. Syrups, or poisons they call them, were mixtures of different plants and drugs that helped them with different illnesses or discomforts. The majority of the syrups had opium and hashish, a paste-like product made 100% of cannabis if you're not familiar with it. I will go ahead and read an article from the Marijuana Review of 1971, and I quote, Most drug experts maintain that cannabis use in the U.S. began in the 1920s. They are wrong. There was an extensive hashish underground use in all major American cities throughout the later half of the 19th century. This document is but one of several that could be given as evidence of that fact. But this is the best we've found so far. And it is. A hashish house in New York was discovered by David Rotray while working on a contemporary dictionary. He also found a citation in the Oxford Dictionary at Hashish House, which identifies the author of this piece as H. H. Kane, an individual whose preference for anonymity 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 an individual whose person for <laughs> anonymity 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 huh? cool an individual whose preference for anonymity has been preserved until now we haven't been able to find out any more about him. david gave a copy to alan ginsburg who gave us a copy from which this is produced until now, we now know his full name. It was Harry Humble Kane, and that he was a physician of famous reputation that advocated, unfortunately, against the use of hashish. It only took him one visit to a cannabis parlor to make him advocate against weed for the rest of his life. And we'll talk about this in a bit. I mean, so this visit really played a very important role in the demonization of the cannabis plant itself. So after this publication that Mr. Harry Humble Kane did in Harper's Magazine called A Hashish House in New York, the curious adventures of an individual who indulged in a few pipefuls of the narcotic hemp. It sounds like a great name for a movie. A number of rates of New York smoking parlors appeared in the news in 1895. 
Hashish was legal, but apparently keeping a parlor where you sell it was not. And one could be charged with an all-encompassing all offense that also covered keeping brothels and gambling dens. Maintaining a disorderly house, they called it. The document is superb, um, a psychedelic center replete with different varieties and preparations of cannabis, plus coca leaf tea and other drugs. This reminds me of um, people that like to smoke a joint and uh, drink a coke at the same time. We have always drinked a coca leaf drink, apparently. Even back then. So the art and the science set forth in this article was based on semi-secret oriental religious and ceremonial rites, themselves changed significantly by the secularization of the Bang in India. Started using hashish in a certain region in India during the era of the Mughal emperors. In other words, these arts and sciences they followed um, were ways of getting high under optimal physical conditions and mental attitude, which is what we strive in this project here, to be able to get high under optimal physical conditions and mental attitudes in order to succeed in anything you endeavor. These attitudes did not reach uh, the sophisticated state like 20th century America would approve, Nevertheless, the Marijuana Review reprints this for your delectation as an example of the kind of incredible hashish club which knowledgeable heads can construct. Not secretly, but openly, once cannabis is legalized. Moreover, contemporary technology should be able to improve on the model to make a hashish house less involved with slave labor technology of the past. Very important which is exactly what we're talking about this right now. The previous text I quoted was written by Mike Aldrich for the Marijuana Review. You can check out both historic documents at CannabisCulture.com. I'll leave the link in the description section. This is one of my favorite sites when it comes to the world of ganja. They have many articles on how to grow, product reviews, activism, and organizing movements, and much, much more. So check them out. Going back to Dr. Harry Humble Kane, unfortunately, um, he can very well be the person responsible for the demonization of the cannabis plant. Quoting his text from Harper's Magazine, where we left off last episode. Upon it was a small lamp of silver filigree work. Two globe-like bowls of silver also, from which prodded a long silver tube and a spoon-like instrument. Later, I soon learned my friend the person that invited him to the parlor, was used already to clean and fill the pipes. Placing the bronze jar of hashish on the tray, my friend made me lay the pipe beside it and suck up the fluid in the silver cup through the long tube. I did so and found it delicious. That, he said, is tea made from the genuine coca leaf. The cup is the real mate and the tube a real bombilla from Peru. Now, let us smoke. The dry trip here is known as ganja and is the dry tops of the hemp plant. So I found it very curious how he mentions uh, several things here. First off, he mentions that his friend was already used to 
filling and cleaning the pipes for his surprise. That's something he didn't really ever, ever thought of whenever he saw his friend outside. Because usually people that visited these places uh, were of the worst kind, according to the authorities, um, which started a persecution against most uh, people. It was, it was mainly based on a racial matter uh, back then, as it is sometimes now with certain legislation in certain states when it comes to uh, the regulation of, of the plant. But I find it really curious how how he he's surprised to know that he already knows how to do that pretty well. And he wouldn't ever think that. So this person, to me, is what I called a, a successful stoner, you know? Maybe he, he had built a tolerance and also he had managed to not let everyone know and keep it privately. Because back then people used to judge more about the consuming of the plant. So far so good. Unfortunately, this was Harry's first time consuming the cannabis plant in his life. We can understand that given circumstances, Dr. Kane did not have any tolerance when ingesting the plant. And so he wrote his experience, but unfortunately he accidentally documented one of the first bad trips in history of cannabis culture. He had a very, very heavy, heavy bad trip. Um, and I quote, actually, let me get a red light for this. It's kind of scary. Issuing from this mist, a thousand angish faces rose toward me on a scrooged and broken wings, shrieking and moaning as they came. Who in heaven's name are these poor things? These, said a voice at my side, are the spirits still incarnate of individuals who during life sowed happiness in the various narcotics. Here, after death, far beneath, they live a life of torture most exquisite, for it is their fate every suffering for want of moisture, to be obliged to yield day by day their lifeblood to form the juice of the poppy and resin of hemp, in order that their dreams, joys, hopes, pleasures, pains, and anguish of past and present may again be tasted by mortals. Dr. Kane had experienced a really bad trip, in which he describes seeing several creatures with broken wings, moaning and lamenting, when he abruptly asks, what the hell am I experiencing? Some voice next to him says, these are the spirits of people that use narcotics. People that use with their lifeblood created the juice of the poppy, opium, and resin of hemp, cannabis. So that their dreams, joys, hopes, pleasures, pains, and anguish of past and present may be tasted by mortals. It's not clear whether this voice uh, he heard was the voice of his friend trying to calm him down, or it was all just part of his high, which is most likely, right? Maybe his head was going through a lot of paranoia, giving him heavy hallucinations. Perhaps the voice was providing a logical explanation as to what he was hallucinating. Many parlors back then uh, were located in the city slums and had a very dirty, unpleasant um, aspect. While he was inside one under the influence of weed for the first time, he was perhaps trying to find out why the place was uh, in those conditions. However, it is a fact that after his experience, uh, things went haywire for pot smokers throughout the world, uh, facing discrimination and persecution. Back in 1895, um, hashish was legal, but apparently keeping a parlor where you sell it was not. 
And so the hunting began. Thankfully, weed is now legal in New York City. But what was left of those old parlors, it's but a mere memory to us. So let us know what you think on Harry Humble Kane. What do you think Mr. Humble Kane would have experienced of visiting a cannabis parlor in our era, in the 21st century? Let us know in the comments section. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to give us a thumbs up and share with your fellow active stoner community. If you enjoy listening to this, don't forget to subscribe. My name is Ernie Flores and see you next Tuesday on the Lacey Stoner Active Stoner Podcast. Thanks for listening.